Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grow With Us. My name is Evan Barton, and I'm your host who helps create conversations with the innovators and leaders of a growing tech center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Grow With Us podcast highlights the work of community leaders, tech entrepreneurs, nonprofit professionals, and talent development advocates in Tulsa. Grow With Us is a podcast of In Tulsa. In Tulsa's mission is to connect talented individuals and companies to stimulate economic growth in Tulsa and to create more prosperous communities across the region. Each episode, Grow With Us discusses the growth of opportunities, the growth of communities striving for change, or the tech and innovation that is changing the landscape of Tulsa. On this episode of Grow With Us, we're in conversation with Janessa Mondestin, the head of talent services within Tulsa's Talent Advisory. We discuss her work with Talent Advisory within Tulsa, the Predictive Index as a tool for internal team collaboration, and how can Tulsa-based businesses connect with Tulsans of all backgrounds. Welcome to Grow With Us, Janessa. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Glad to be here. This is great. I I really am excited for our conversation. Every conversation I've had with you has been uh, personally delightful, insightful, and I think I've always thought about it afterwards. And I don't, I, I think that that's a good thing. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate That's a huge compliment. Thanks. For Absolutely. <laughs> and I, ha- and I have no doubt that this will be any different. So, and maybe for our audience as well. So, yeah. um, go ahead and tell us your story in whatever way you feel comfortable. Well, my name's Janessa Mondestin. Um, my full name is Mavi Janessa Mondestin, which is my, my life, Janessa Mondestin, my destiny. Um, family is immigrants from, you know, Haiti and Cuba, was born and raised in New York City and traveled all the way over to Tulsa, Oklahoma, sight unseen <laughs> in 2021 um, during the pandemic. So um, this journey from New York City to Tulsa, Oklahoma, just feels like it's coming back full circle with everything that um, dealt with growing up as well as doing in uh, my work life personal life. It just comes to a huge culmination here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I'm so happy to be here. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love that story of just like having, you know, quite a, quite a few years in a, in a big city, a mm-hmm. bu- bustling city, mm-hmm. so much speed. What do you think about like the difference in how fast New York is versus Yeah. You know, for, for the last 10 years, I was trying to get out of New York city, believe it or not. It was just before the pandemic was like, this is getting um, the expense of it. The yeah. the rat race, which we know of in New York City, the hustle and bustle just seemed like it was unsustainable for you to be able to have like a decent way of living and be able to be conscious and give back to community and do all the things that you want to do to be a good citizen and be a good human. Mm-hmm. Couldn't sustain that living in New York City. So I, I like to tell people the snapshot of like 2019, December 2019, I was had a full-time job. I had a 30-hour like HR consulting job and then HR consulting company and then also had three yoga studios just to sustain living in New York City. And so when the pandemic hit, it was just like, this is my way out. Like if I don't get out now, I'm never going to get out. That's so interesting. So we were in New York City at the same time in the summer of 2019. I was interning at the college board and living in Brooklyn Heights. And I, I think the intern experience in New York is very different from the lived experience mm-hmm. <laughs> or mm-hmm. the living in and sustaining and full-time job type of thing. But yeah. I look back on my experience there pretty fondly. But it, it is, like you said, all those things, a little unsustainable with the lifestyle, yeah. all that. But, you know, everything I love is there, apparently. <laughs> That's true. That means it's good to visit, but not necessarily to stay and live yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you're here in Tulsa. We've we've had the the privilege and blessing of having you in Tulsa for two years now. So how how is 
your relationship with Tulsa changed in, in the two years you've been here? Oh, man, I feel like I'm uh, I have an opportunity to contribute as a whole person here. And no longer as just the person who lived in Upper West Side, who was from immigrant families or um, who spoke multiple languages. It's like you can be a little bit of all of that here in Tulsa and it can still be accepted and rewarded at the same time of like, we want to hear your story because you come from a different way of life than, than what other people might be used to. And you have an opportunity to contribute. So one really important part of my life is being able to give back to the community that I'm living in and see change and see impact. That's really important there for me too, as a citizen. Mm -hmm. And I think living in New York city, you can continue giving, 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 and trying to you know, move the needle forward and you're like, what? I haven't seen anything move forward. Yeah. And so here it's easier to see change actually happen. That's a, that's a really interesting perspective. I think I, I realized that as well. Like in leaving here, ironically enough, like, you know, it is harder to make that change elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Even so my undergraduate experience was in New Hampshire, which mm -hmm. is like a very, um, I guess I would just call it neoliberal in a lot yeah. of ways, yeah. <laughs> uh, where <laughs> It felt like everyone had the right ideas, but then when the right ideas came to the the decision table, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of decision right. being made equitably, uh, mm -hmm. you know, at, at all towards like the progress of recognizing our identities and recognizing mm -hmm. that we've been oppressed in multiple mm -hmm. ways. And um, I, I was a, a part of an indigenous community there and we were like the only group that was like, y'all mm -hmm. see this, right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> we... <laughs> Y'all know that they're like they're crazy. We're cra we're all crazy, but like we at least have each other's backs yeah. as a community of, yeah. of like minded and uh, similar experienced folks. So sure. that was a really interesting experience to then have not here. And and then when I've moved back to Tulsa, it's been mm -hmm. really I, I feel so similar to you. And like I am able to be you know a queer person that makes uh, that affects change. Mm -hmm. I'm able to be person in my office mm -hmm. and in my personal life mm -hmm. i'm able to be an indigenous person yeah. and i'm able to hold all my identities in wherever right. whatever space i enter right. and that that's really powerful for right. me right 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 yeah absolutely and so you can show up here as your whole self yeah and that's good too and yeah. that's exactly what should be needed more so in the society um i think other times in new york city you had to show up as one or the other mm -hmm. and there was a lot of outcasting because you chose one side or the other yeah I think most people who meet me, they'll see me as just another black woman. But to have like an Afro-Latino background um, coming from a culture of like Haiti, like my mom's Haitian, my dad's Cuban, and they within themselves have their own differences. Yeah. And then growing up in a time where, of course, this is like the 50 year anniversary of hip hop, growing up during that age of hip hop, yeah. um, growing up Muslim is another aspect of it. I and mean, a lot of other people were like, we don't know anyone who is actually Muslim unless you're like Nation of Islam. And I'm like, I'm actually just Sunni Muslim. Mm -hmm. And so it was always trying to figure out what side do I live on and compartmentalizing myself depending on who's in the room. Mm -hmm. And here I'm just all of it yeah. and unapologetic about that. Yeah, I like not having to check any identities at the door. You right. know, I'm, I'm walking in as my full self. That's, right. that's so important to to me and so many things. I, I wish that, I, I don't know how to describe this feeling, but I want, I want to create that for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I know how to describe that, but yeah. I don't know how to necessarily give people the taste of that because I've mm -hmm. had it in, I, th I feel privileged to have it in in some in some small ways and some meaningful ways, like in uh, some of the groups that I'm a part of, even at work sometimes mm -hmm. as well. But like I have people in my life that that just don't mm -hmm. that have never had that ex same experience mm -hmm. as me. Um, and I'm like, how do I 
I can't do it at home. Like, I guess my example mm-hmm. is like my my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I want you guys to know that you can be everything that you sure. are in your interactions with me because I'm everything that I am when mm-hmm. I talk to you. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of interesting. Like, how do you help people navigate towards things that um, can, you know, can really positively benefit them? But you, you can't guarantee that because yeah. you can't ever guarantee that experience with anybody. Like, I don't know, if I were to tell someone to come work in Tulsa, they might have a completely different experience than I yeah, do. Yeah, um, and yeah. I've been lucky to find a lot of people that have had yeah. similar experiences. Yeah. And I've had them on this podcast to talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very interesting point. This is kind of like the plight of what my work is enthralled in. It's um, about having opportunity that people are talking about this concept of DEI, but yet I need to meet business strategies and the fact that these two things can marry one another and still live coexisting in the same space is incredibly important for me. Yeah. And that you feel open to be yourself at work means authenticity is open to everyone who's at work. And the foundation of every organization is going to be based on equity so that inclusivity can live and then diversity will come through the door. It's a little bit of an equation there. Yeah. And so hearing your stories, I mean, it's so many ways and facets and frameworks to make that happen. But the first thing we say is like, if your company's value is that you do value inclusivity and diversity, we start to ask the harder questions in my division of how does that show up? And what mechanisms do you have in place to ensure that there's stability in the decisions that you're making that's equitable for all? And when we talk about like talent advisory services, some people like to think it's only recruiting, but it's bigger than recruiting because I want every single candidate that's walking through the door meeting you feels the same exact experience that you're talking about right now. And then how does that live once the candidate becomes an employee? And does that also exist there in the organization? What's the cultural um, kind of like texture mm-hmm. of an organization. Some people think culture is just what we put on paper on a website. I want to see lived experiences of how your culture lived out in day to day from a wide variety of different employees that are in the organization. Me coming from an HR background, these are the things that I would l- look at when I'm reading exit interviews. And if we have people who are exiting an organization that are saying, well, here's the real scoop. Yeah, here's, <laughs> here's, the the real, here's the tea. Um, or on Glassdoor when people put reviews, yeah. I actually have to take that information and then repeat, report back to the higher ups in the organization and say, hey, this experience, this, this is experience. Yeah. And that's a common thread here. And if this is important to you, then you'll need to be able to find the root cause of it. So we do talent and culture audits and then turn around and find out like, what can we do to ensure that that's the last person walking out the door with that type of sentiment? Yeah, no, that's that's so important. And I think that there's I think we've seen or hopefully we've seen the rise and fall of people that don't listen to those things, you Mm -hmm. know, like Mm -hmm. businesses. I I mean, I I would assume to say that businesses fail to if if they continue to not recognize those sentiments of employees and I think we've seen um, just in, I, I don't know, just, just this, the business world that I'm accustomed to, I think there's been a lot of conversation about how like diversity and inclusion and equity are actually the one, the businesses that succeed. Yeah. If, if that is a part of your culture and a part of the way you approach the work and a part of the way you share the work, sure. it is, it, there is a higher percentage of success, mm-hmm. it, it, whatever you define mm-hmm. as success, mm-hmm. um, applied to those companies that mm-hmm. have those values. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. how do you, and I like that you're talking about it holistically from, you know, from the first candidate interview, from mm-hmm. your first introduction to yeah. the to whoever's going to work at the company to yeah. all the way when it's time for them 
you know, to hopefully amicably lead mm -hmm. the company in that and their next step. But mm -hmm. um, let's let's use this as a as a great little segue into sure. kind of your work at in Tulsa because I'd love to talk a little bit more about it. And yeah. Um, so go ahead and tell us what your current role is and, and how it's kind of changed over the years. Yeah, I'm the director of talent strategy for a division called Talent Advisory Services. I like to tell people that I'm the head of talent strategy at um, in yes. Tulsa. I look at um, different companies that do business within Tulsa and see where they align in terms of what their business strategy is with their talent strategy. So sure, you want to hire more people for a very specific skill set. I'm going to talk through like, is diversity something that is a an issue at the organization is inclusivity like an issue at the organization what's the level what's the skill sets uh, what's the succession planning how does how do, can you ascertain that someone will be successful past 90 days yeah um and career plan so we we start off with the concept of the first time a candidate meets you is at the job description so if i see a job description posted on linkedin or indeed the first thing i'm going to do is go look up the company and see whether or not the company is saying what it says in the job description. We are so great. We are so this. I want to see it on the website. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing I'm going to do as a candidate. So I'm walking through businesses as if I was a candidate and say, well, I'm going to go back on LinkedIn and find all the people that work for your company. And I'm going to ask them out for coffee. Mm. And I'm going to see whether or not what you say is actually true or not. Yeah. And because this takes a little bit more effort in the candidate, we have a labor market currently there where people are like, I want the next place for me to be at, for me to authentically be myself yeah. at. Yeah. And if that can't live out with people who are existing in these roles, then I'm not sure you're going to value me when I come through the door. Mm -hmm. And so well, we've met candidates who are saying, I would rather continue working part-time at Starbucks or working in the overnight shifts at Target than compromise my values, my personal values of what I see at work. And so mm -hmm. this makes it harder for organizations to find the best candidate. And the number one thing that we do at in Tulsa, particularly my division is I came on board because there was this concept of there's no talent in Tulsa. And I was like, are you kidding me? I've met so many talented people in Tulsa. Yeah. Um, and they're like, no, we, we usually have to count on relocators to fill up the roles, the high growth roles that we want to be able to fill. And so I made it my mission this year to say, no, we're going to find exclusively talent in Tulsa mm -hmm. to fill the roles that we have because I know that there's talent in Tulsa and that wound up being the mission of our division talent advisory services. So when we're talking to organizations that want to hire, we ask them first and foremost, is it Tulsa first? And then we're going to do the deep dive hunting into our internal networks, into our city and find out how we can pull people in to this pipeline who are diverse, but also match the skill sets of the job. Yeah. And then make sure at the same time that the organization can sustain having someone who's completely different than them mm -hmm. to help innovate solutions for their future. The one thing coming out from all these studies that say diversity is actually diverse companies are actually more innovative, more profitable, is that they also have not told the story of how difficult it is to sometimes have diversity at the table. Yeah. And that means there's a skill set of empathy and compassion and emotional intelligence, right? There's a little bit of slowing down points to actually listen because not everyone communicates in the same style as everyone else. Mm -hmm. And welcoming in a diversity of thought, not just a diversity of experience or race, ethnicity, gender, just, I think I see it differently because my perspective is different. Yeah. And being able to have that at the table and also challenging the status quo means there's a rub. 
Yeah. And where do you make space for the rub? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, that was awesome. I, I think there's so many things I want to jump in and say. The first thing that comes to mind is like, you know, if you're thinking about what you're up against, what's mm-hmm. what's rubbing is this, uh, the way things are typically done. Mm-hmm. And the way things are typically done <laughs> are very cutthroat <laughs> in business or, it's, yeah. you know, it's all about the margins. It's yeah. all about how much money people yeah. are making. Yeah. And really, it's about how much money a certain select few people at the at the organization mm-hmm. are making. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of the biggest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, that, that feels like the biggest challenge uh, to that thought is, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not just about how much uh, bottom line dollars you're going to mm-hmm. be making. It's actually are the people that are going to help you make that money. Are they happy? Are they able to help you right. make that money? If you, if you even want to take it that mm-hmm. direction, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. How can you at the top think about, you know, if I want my business to be profitable, if I want my, if I believe in my product, yeah. which there's, you know, in business, there's sometimes a difference they between don't. those sometimes two. Sometimes they don't, right. <laughs> they're, sometimes they're just like, what's going to make the most money? Mm-hmm. But like, it is about that employee satisfaction that I mm-hmm. think, you know, like you're saying, starts from the from the job description mm-hmm. all the way through. Mm-hmm. And I really like... um just kind of zooming in on the work that you guys do, there's a little bit of a, well, I guess a, a large bit of it is kind of this uh, like business client assessment yeah. or, you know, you're not just taking the, or putting the accountability on the candidate. Correct. And that part feels, you know, from like a, the part of me that's like really mm-hmm. workers rights mm-hmm. and yeah. like, you know, wanting yeah. us to collectively understand our power as people. Yeah. That, that is empowering to know that there's organizations out there that are checking these businesses and saying, mm-hmm. you know, this thing that you're doing, this is actually not going to promote inclusivity right. in, in your culture. This right. is this is why a person with this background mm-hmm. is not going to survive and thrive. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll probably be out the door in 90 days mm-hmm. if you're not thinking mm-hmm. about a different way of mm-hmm. approaching, you know, their personal growth, their professional mm-hmm. growth. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff is so important to me. Um, And so it's so exciting to know that that work's happening. Yeah. And on top of that, we also do the same type of work for internal, for those who are already employees. So the other fashion of our business is that we do compensation analysis. So I want to be able to get a download. So someone will come to me and say, I'm thinking about hiring in the next quarter, but um, I'm not sure if this job or this role would actually be redundant or is this a new innovative role? Mm -hmm. And so we go in and we do skills analysis to find out whether or not this is redundant do you really need the job? But then more importantly, when they say, we don't have anyone here currently who can do that job. I say, well, is it because they haven't been challenged to do the job or they're currently not paid to do the job? So can we do a compensation analysis across the organization and make sure that people internally are already being paid fairly? Mm. We create comp bands. We create like compensation like philosophies so that people know where they should be. So it's a bit of this pay transparency project that's really just sprung out of nowhere in the middle of the pandemic. People were saying, especially with um, organizations like Buffer, who are like, we're going to post everything that we get paid, every salary band online. And it pushed the, the, the charge that now salaries should be posted on job descriptions. And then online vehicles where people would find jobs also said, well, you're not going to get the market share on the algorithm if you don't post salaries on job descriptions. Mm -hmm. So this push for the worker is coming in pretty hard, but the pushback also is what's happening in the market currently where they're like, we we can't stand this DEI stuff. This is, this is killing our (laughs) capital. This is killing our bottom line. And because they're thinking short-sighted on that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If we, 
we could have a whole episode <laughs> on you know what where we're at in yeah. the United States yeah. and their yes. approach to DEI I mean we're, we're currently facing a I I think it's absolutely fair to talk about this but we're currently facing um you know this major challenge political challenge to the infrastructure of the Tulsa Public Schools which mm. is my home school district mm-hmm. you know I, I have I have pride in where I went to high school and, mm-hmm. and where I went to elementary, middle, and mm-hmm. high school. And, you know, the, the reasons for why um, <laughs> <laughs> the reasons for why this challenge is happening is just so short-sighted is, yes. the, is the nicest way to say yeah, it. Yeah, it is. I'm trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> I want to so not be. I want to so not be because it really boils my blood in so many ways. Like, you know, just some of the things that I've heard and, and I do need to be more a little a little bit more educated on, you know, what actually is being challenged. What what are the truths out there? Mm-hmm. There's so much. I, I feel like a broken record saying this because I feel like I hear it every every day. But there is so much misinformation out sure. there. How do you find truth? You know, what's the truth mm-hmm. in anything? Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I know what my I know what my truth is uh, as I can, you know, evaluate it with the truth that I also find value in mm-hmm. you know what what are my values that mm-hmm. all of that's connected and you know when it, we're talking about dei i think i think <laughs> i think i know that my values align very very clearly to diversity equity and inclusion being sure. something that is a part of my personal life it's mm-hmm. part of my professional life mm-hmm. there's no part of my life that is exclusive mm-hmm. from that that's right. and i think that that's right if you go back to your whole life mm-hmm. you're not going to sit here and say you know, DEI never affected me when I was right. five years old, right. when I was, you know, 15. Mm-hmm. It, there's no point in your life where you're not affected by, you know, the diversity of thought, the mm-hmm. inclusion of others right. and the equity that, you know, might have happened for your specific group of folks mm-hmm. uh, that you belong to. But you can also comparatively uh, observe that it's not happening for everybody. Everyone. Mm-hmm. So, Mm -hmm. so true. So true. Well, it ties back to like, even in the business strategy of people will put this as a beautiful statement on their website. And then the number one question I asked during assessments for those of y'all who are listening, who are probably like, I should reach out to Janessa. The first question I'm going to ask you is how does it live in your decision making as the CEO, COO, founder of your organization? Mm -hmm. So if you're not doing your own DEI journey on a personal level, how is that not informing how you make business decisions, right? Yeah. And so um, this is beyond being something you do at work. This is something you live. Yeah. I think what's so important, too, about that is having an answer to those questions before you ask them. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you said, you're making those decisions right. regardless of if you have an answer for right. them. So right. that's so, it's so, so interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of pivot uh, a little bit into something you were talking about that you mm-hmm. provide to uh, to businesses and also as like an internal uh, I guess resource for mm-hmm. folks is this the predictive index. So yeah. at our last team retreat, you helped introduce our team to this, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm really excited to talk about it. Our, our team on the campus Tulsa side has already kind of dived deep into that. it. Um, but go ahead and give us a little brief overview of it. Sure, predictive index very similar to there's a a, a bevy of different style of personality based assessments out there in the market. Um, But the one that has been pretty much tethered to hiring and performance efficiency of teams has been Predictive Index. And the reason why we selected Predictive Index to partner with is because it is incredibly simplistic to take. It doesn't feel like it's shaming you at any point. Mm -hmm. Um, It gives you a really good uh, opportunity to look at what your core behaviors are, what you will always show up as. 
And then also look at how you are receiving your current state of work at this time and how much you are out of alignment or in alignment with your core beliefs about who you are and how you show up at work. And with being able to assess those two different things, a self-assessment, how I'm always going to show up, and then a self-concept assessment where you're going to say, hey, based on what I feel work looks like, based on my lived experience, what work looks like, more specifically, my current job where I'm at right now, where am I stretching outside of the bounds of where I need to be? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in that scenario, for those who are, who are familiar with it, I came out as a strategist and I'm someone who is incredibly independent. Doesn't mean I'm not social. It just means that I like to think on the projects on my own. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need to ask a million people for their advice about it or their opinion about it. I need to suss through it. It's like a puzzle for me. Yeah. And I want to solve that puzzle first before actually going in and saying, okay, here's what I came up with, right? Um, I don't need crowdsourcing for solution making, right? That's just the way that I work. And then I'm also incredibly direct in the way that I'm able to deliver things. Some folks like to be a little bit more diplomatic or uh, feel like they've got to add what I call some fluff to it, make it soft, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Um, And I'm not necessarily that type of person. I like to drive change in my my organizations. I also like to feel like my organizations that I'm partnering with is about driving change. So I feel if the closer that I'm in more in alignment with how I show up at work, with who I am, the less work it feels like. It's just me being in a new location, doing (laughs) the stuff that I love to do. Um, If we can get more people in a place that they are calling work to feel like something that is just an extension of themselves, the more likely the organization will be profitable, cohesive, and solvent. But I think that's what everyone wants. Yeah, right? I, I think that the concept of work has been, you know, I think called into question quite a bit with mm-hmm. the, the rise of remote work and, yeah. you know, all of these, the, uh, the the workers' rights that's going on, you mm-hmm. know, not only in Hollywood, but in ev- honestly every industry. Right, right. At, you know, what? why are we doing what we do? Why, mm-hmm. why do we do something, you know, for 40 plus hours a week to make money? It can obviously be, be right. less than that. Right. But you know, why do we do it? Is it, is it an extension of ourselves? Are there right. things that we're doing that are not extensions of exactly. ourselves and we're diminishing ourselves? Exactly. All of those things are are so worthy questions yeah. because what else are we doing on this right. earth? Right. <laughs> so, so in my studies, I've um, graduated from Wharton in human capital management, people analytics. We looked at the history of like human resources and how labor markets were forced into where we are right now. Yeah. And there was a time in the 1900s where it I don't care the boss would be like I can care less about what you like. I need someone to move this widget yeah. or put that nail in that steel <laughs> iron. Like I I just need you to do that times right, a day. 500 <laughs> times a day, right? So um we change from this perspective of employer matters the most to employee and employer need to find a compromise to now we're like if you want me to be my best self at work you have to understand what self means mm-hmm. for me and how it aligns in the bigger strategy of your... Look, I don't think people are upset about... I mean, some people are upset about the wages issues and the pay gap issues. But if I can show up every day and get paid what I'm valued to be paid at, I'm happy with that. I don't need to yeah. get a COO salary. I just want to be paid fairly for the work and the contributions that I bring to the table. Yeah. And having a plan for that tells me that you care about me as an individual. So it's easier for me to be my full self at work. Absolutely. And that is a part of that cultural transformation work 
at talent and culture audits that we do at Talent Advisory Services that helps transform an organization, not just for today, current state, but like a year from now, two years from now. Yeah. Um, knowing that you have the right people in the right seats is not good enough. It's knowing that you also can provide them with the right resources, the right education, the right mentorship, the right sponsorship, the right opportunities, and at the right pay. That's where the work comes in from on the employer side. Yeah. And and I just so I'm going to over highlight this, but just it is an employer responsibility to do yeah, that at this right. point in where we're at with advancements of society sure. or whatever. Yeah. I think that we can't acknowledge that there's people. People are also employers. Right. And people have to care for other people. Sure. Sure. I, I don't know. And people power your business. Yes. So you'll need to put people first. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'll share a little bit about my uh, predictive, predictive indexed mm -hmm. uh, results. I'm uh, what they uh, classify as a promoter. Yeah. And a promoter is a casual, uninhibited, and persuasive extrovert with a tendency I mean, for informality. I mean, come on. What are we doing I mean, here? <laughs> is that not you? <laughs> they scanned my brain, I'm telling you. I mean, just reading some of these things, and, and what I really like, uh, and you, you went perfectly into detail about this uh, with the self-assessment and mm -hmm. self-concept assessment that um honestly like i am more sociable uh in my personal life than mm -hmm. i think i need to be at work which mm -hmm. is kind of interesting to think about mm -hmm. but i'm also uh i'm more steady in or i think that i need to be more steady than i am than i actually do as a driver in yeah. my work which i find yeah. interesting as well there's so many kind of i wouldn't say that they are like I don't know how you would describe them. The, the the comparatives of the two. It's essentially like a spectrum of like sure. two words on the on in the way that the charts represent themselves, mm -hmm. and um, it's really interesting. Like sometimes they align and sometimes they don't, and you mm -hmm. and you get to recognize like okay, well maybe what is it about my work that makes me think that I need to be sure. you know, more reserved about sure. when I when I step into a boardroom. Sure. Like I, I think I might need to be you know sure. a little bit more buttoned up than right. you know someone that is uh, has a tendency for informality like right. myself <laughs> <laughs> and that might mean also be because you're using all your experiences of work all the places that you've been before influence the way Absolutely. that you feel you should be perceived at work right yeah. and so if i know like this is this is self at work this is this is him at work right um oh. and i'm sorry if i misgendered mis no absolutely okay. all right fine. so and then if that's the way that it works then my job as your manager is to bring us closer to a place of synthesis. Yeah. Well, how do I need to show up for you is not how I show up for everyone that's on my team. Yeah. No, and I think I think you hit the nail on the head. There's also I'll just kind of high level talk about like what the the needs are on the mm -hmm. personal development chart. I think those are really interesting. There's like a need for control with dominance. There's a need for social interaction, which is the scale of extroversion. Mm -hmm. There's the need for stability, which is the scale for patience and the need to conform, which is the scale for formality. And, you know, I, I, you know, just thinking about these concepts, um, you know, within the context of work, mm -hmm. I, I find it really interesting because in a lot of ways, I, I love I, I kind of I hate to be that person that's like I love HR <laughs> but HR like uh, uh, challenging us to think about this yeah. in the way that you approach work is is really meaningful because like I said you know you don't show up to work for 40 hours 40 hours plus or even less than that or whatever you don't show up to anywhere without thinking about these things that's right you know where is my locus of control how mm -hmm. much do I need control do mm -hmm. I also get something from interacting with people or am mm -hmm. I just going to show up and get what I get mm -hmm. regardless of if it's mm -hmm. from another person mm -hmm. And then, you know, stability, that's something that I, I think we all have, everyone evaluates their need for stability in mm -hmm. some ways. And, and and that's going to push 
your drive towards right. something? You know, right. do I want to be more stable or do I have to be stable enough to make a certain amount of money or do I have to make an, enough money to be stable? It's mm-hmm. kind of this right. fine Chicken balance. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, but I, I really, if anyone's interested in, in learning more about the predictive index, I think it's a really awesome tool. Janessa probably has amazing resources. Absolutely. Share. Absolutely. And then the the other deep dive is looking at it from a team aspect. And that's what you were talking about yeah. on Friday. It's like, is your team adapting? Is your team flexible? Like where might you be, if you're thinking about adding an additional person to your team, how does adding that person, that candidate change the dynamics of the organization? So you can't keep having the same types of personalities. Yeah. Um, you have a 15 person team and everyone's a persuader. You, you, who's going <laughs> to talk? You know I mean? <laughs> but then where's the results and where's the drive and where's the, where's the, who's doing the SOPs? Like you mm-hmm. need a well-balanced group of people who will be able to do a little bit of all the work Absolutely. so that the entire flywheel can continue shifting forward. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. And uh, it was really insightful for our team to do it. We, it was between my supervisor and our program director and, you know, uh, my program director and I actually have the same. We're both promoters. Mm-hmm. Brooke and I are both promoters. And um, it's funny just like in the way that we approach work, we already see those similarities and and kind of to evaluate that with, you know, a captain. Right. You know, how do we how do we both get led mm-hmm. <laughs> or how right. to, and how does he drive the boat? Yeah. It's, you know, for yeah. using the metaphor. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. And so we have we have one more person on our team that we, I need to I need to go check on what Brooke Smart's up to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think this conversation kind of also provides us with a leaping off point and, and, and something that I honestly would really love to just pick your brain about, you know, mm-hmm. what are some things that um, just because you're a very insightful person, like I mentioned, I, I love our conversations. What are some of the things that you do in Tulsa? in the community, either in Tulsa, I guess, or nationally. Um, how are you involved in these organizations? What What do you mm-hmm. see your role as maybe a, even as a strategist? Mm-hmm. I know that's mostly in work, but mm-hmm. how do you see that show up in other things that you're I, involved I'm, in? I'm there for, for all of the things. I'm a strategist <laughs> in almost all the things. I, uh, I am one of the co-founders for Tulsa Women for Good. So we're a philanthropic organization of based of only women. And we... Um, provide our own kind of crowdsourcing so that we can give funds to organizations that matter, um, organizations that matter in terms of like women and children's services. We recently, you also attended back in March when we were celebrating women's, um, what I call empowerment month. We were able to donate about $6,000 to Residence Center of Tulsa. That's something that I'm incredibly proud of because this is just everyday women collaborating and networking and having tons of coffee and talking about what's (laughs) the state of um, this particular gender and how we affect other people in in Tulsa specifically and what's important to be able to have more equity for organizations. I'm also a proud board member of Lindsay House, which is the transitional center of, of Tulsa. And um, we give second, like second chances to women who have been going through a tough time in life yeah. and made decisions and they deserve to come back and be stabilized. And so it's a year long program that they live in like a home and they find a way to be more financially solvent. Um, they find ways to build better communities or different styles of communities. They learn even just like how to take care of a home so that at the time of graduation, they can get their own home, whether it's yeah. an apartment or home uh, or a house, and they're able to sustain themselves and their families. And then I'm part of Queens Village Tulsa, another women's-based organization. Yes, women. <laughs> <laughs> which is about creating safe spaces for Black women. And so as you can tell, I have a lot of like... Um, opportunities and values around being able to assist um, people who are traditionally left out of the conversations at the very, very top of 
like the 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 boardrooms, um, the glass ceilings. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently also joined Junior League of Tulsa, where I get to meet more what I call badasses in in Tulsa of like yes. where are they moving and shifting and shaking. And the reason why I do that is because if we can continue collaborating and networking, then we can create opportunities for people who aren't identified as women. And see, again, in my work of how to strategize, bringing everyone included in that conversation and move everyone further along. Yeah, that's amazing. I love hearing about that. And honestly, it's, yeah, I I really enjoyed attending the the Women's Empowerment Brunch (laughs) that you guys had. That was so awesome. Um, It is just, it's it's really inspiring to know that there, you can take your identities and hold multiple identities. Mm -hmm. And there's actually lots of organizations focused on, um, I don't know if I would say like, I, I guess I would say the, the betterment of that identity in, you know, work, life, mm-hmm. you know, professional, personal, all of these things, we we can all band around something, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether yeah. it's our gender, yeah. sexual orientation, yeah. our cultural background, yeah. our, our racial background. Yeah. And that is a way that we can empower each other. For sure. And, For sure. I, and I love to know that right. that's something that you take personal pride in and, and, and you definitely affect change in those organizations. Absolutely. And still being able to say, like, I hold space for people who don't identify as that in those same rooms. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I I think, I think the key point in that is, you know, when these were built, when these institutions were built, that same consideration was not given. Correct. So Mm -hmm. we're approaching it from a different, different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I I won't, I guess I won't include, I guess I'll include myself in that. Mm -hmm. We are Mm -hmm. doing that and everyone is doing it in their own way. That's right. So that's right. Um, so last, last thing I kind of want to see, see what your thoughts are on this. And I'm really Mm -hmm. excited to hear what your thoughts are. Um, just kind of taking a step back from, you know, the, the organizations, the people into kind of like the systems and then also like where we're at in Mm -hmm. geography and in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. Um, what are your personal thoughts on kind of how Tulsa clicks up from like either an economic development strategy, maybe Mm -hmm. even a cultural strategy, a community Mm -hmm. Something that we focus a lot on in, uh, with this podcast is, you know, is there tech and uh, tech and innovation, community, culture, and also people and talent strategy? <laughs> what what is the the next thing? Yeah, I think that from my perspective, where I sit in the work that I do, it is about a little bit of all of it, but more specifically about the people and innovation and being able to tap into the markets that folks are not tapping into. We have a large Hispanic Latino community here. And um, they are also known nationally as the fastest growing entrepreneurial group, small business owners. Um, We also have very tried and true, a very um, welcoming city of multiracial, multi-ethnic families. And too often Tulsa gets stuck in this narrative, black versus white. It's unfortunate. Um, I don't come from a city that's only black versus white. I come from like the melting pot of New York City. Mm -hmm. And so being able to be in all these different neighborhoods at any given time during the weekend is what makes Tulsa to me incredibly rich. Um, Rich and robust in being able to share our cultural experiences. But unfortunately, when I walk into buildings where there are major offices and major, you know, you know, you all you know all the name brands of Absolutely. of companies that are out here that are driving the economy here. It's not the same level of diversity and inclusivity. Yeah. So I challenge people who are in the high opportunities to make decisions about hiring to think outside the box about who you think you want to hire for this organization. 
or for this particular role? And does the skill set need to look like what you know of because you graduate from OU or OSU, or maybe you're one of the elitists from the coast and you're like, I went to Stanford, I went to NYU, and it doesn't have to look like that. The question is, can they grow here, right? Concept of the podcast, grow with Mm -hmm. us, right? Can they grow here? And that means I'm tethered to that outcome. I have a role in that outcome of growing that individual at the company, regardless of what they look like. And um, I'm proud of the fact that we have so much diversity in the city. I wish it was the same kind of diversity that we are able to see in the organizations that I walk into. I'm one of those few people who will say, show me your location. I want to show me what you do. I need to see it. Right. I want to be able to like know faces and names and not just look at an org chart and say, okay, I can figure this out or look at a website and just say, oh, and then be able to look at it and say, okay, well, what are you doing in East Tulsa? How are you pulling people from East Tulsa? How are you pulling people from North Tulsa? How are you pulling people from the emergent immigrant community that's that's here? Immigrant communities that's already here, not just the ones who want to relocate here, right? Um, Or a part of a relocation program. And how can we think outside the box? Because we, they're, they're looking for work. They're looking for opportunities. You have an opportunity. What's holding us back? Absolutely. And technology is going to be that place where we can meet each other at. And so we need to look at tech-enabled ways of being able to make better connections in the city. Oh, that was so good. And I, and I absolutely agree. I think that there is... I think that organizations in in any group, I, I take organizations, nonprofit, for profit, anyone mm-hmm. that's looking to affect change in mm-hmm. this in the city and in any city, you have to consider where you're at. You have to consider the populations of people yeah. that where you're at. You know, for mm-hmm. me growing up here, I think I've shared the sentiment on the podcast before, but um the way that, you know, you can culturally understand what's going on in Tulsa is the directionally that belongs to a different uh racial or ethnic group. Mm-hmm. North Tulsa uh, is predominantly Black and mm-hmm. African-American. East Tulsa has a large Hispanic population mm-hmm. and Latinx. South Tulsa is predominantly white, mm-hmm. which is now something that people are challenging, which I find interesting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the midtown is kind of this melting pot. Right. And I'm like, is it a melting pot? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, not to like, you know, divulge too much into mm-hmm. that, but, you know, I I think the gist of what you're saying and something that I'm getting from what you're saying is that, you know, if you are going to be an organization that thinks about uplifting and being a part of the communities in Tulsa, yeah. the communities of Tulsa are all of those communities. Correct. It's not, you know, just that melting pot and, oh, we'll get right. whoever's in the melting pot or we'll yeah. get whoever's whoever is affected by our work the most because mm-hmm. maybe we have a plan out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not just... Um, you know, I, I guess what, what I'm getting at is that the people part is meeting people where they are as sure, well. So. Sure, sure, sure. Um, the one other thing that I do would love to see more is recognition for the lands that we are on. Absolutely. And this should happen in every single business that's here in Tulsa County is being able to say like land acknowledgements and people acknowledgements and indigenous rights should be something that's part of every person's conversation, every organization's com- conversation on their website. And before they're taking hold of meetings, like if someone's in in downtown area on this side of the train tracks, they're they're literally stating this is the land that where these five tribes have landed and why. Yeah. And by the way, these these cobblestone streets, these were the streets in 1921. Yeah. So when we're revitalizing this beautiful building, we recognize what has happened here. Mm -hmm. And then that way, people like me or like you will feel like, oh, okay, I can rest easy. 
Now, I don't have to hide something that's so evident. <laughs> right? Absolutely. And we can now just keep it real. 100%. Yeah. Everyone that comes to Tulsa at this point is going to know yeah. that Black Wall Street happened. Right. And, and, and you know, it's still happening. Right. There, it's right. We're in a, an, another wave of that, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And I think that the same thing extends, and like you're saying, to indigenous people. Mm-hmm. My biggest, we, we won't open a whole can of worms <laughs> right here at the end, but my biggest thing about that is when you go downtown in Tulsa, you cannot tell me there's anything indigenous about it. And mm-hmm. that is a problem. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to solve that. Obviously right. there's, right. it's just, there's no visibility and right. we're in Indian territory. Right. We're, uh, this is play, this is the land I, I will acknowledge right now. We're mm-hmm. on the, the land of the Muscogee Creek nation. Right. Uh, we're on the land of the OCD. Oh gosh, I'm going to have to remember the, these <laughs> later because I got the, they're on the map. I got that land go, re- reference Landica, um, it, which is a land.ica. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's got an amazing map of all and, yes. ancestral indigenous lands. Yes. Um, and it, it's super important to the work that, you, that everyone is doing Surely. to know that these these groups are they haven't gone anywhere. They're, right. they're still right. here. J- right. Just like we all are. And, and we're all intertwined. Absolutely. We are, all our histories are intertwined. So there is no way of advancing Tulsa without us being together in it. Absolutely. Janessa, this has been amazing. I just Yay. realized I'm like banging my rings. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so amazing. Uh, thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, is there anything else you want like to plug? Uh, ways to get involved or uh, anyone listening? Yeah, I mean, if you're interested in in um, any of the charity work that, or any of the community service work, I know Lindsay House is doing a, a, um, a fundraiser coming up at Kane's Ballroom. So you can go to lindsayhouse.com and, and, or lindsayhouse.org and be able to see that. We also in Tulsa are doing a um, business brunch the first Fridays of every single month. And so we welcome you to 3 North Cheyenne um, and and come in, converse more about town advisory services or any one of the services here in Tulsa. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Grow With Us. Grow With Us is supported by In Tulsa Initiatives. If you're interested in learning more about In Tulsa services for job placement and workforce development, please visit talent.intulsa.com. From there, you can join our talent network where you'll get access to our newsletter and our talent team will make sure we put the right opportunities on your radar. We put the choice to pursue a new career and opportunities in your hands. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to be notified when more episodes of Grow With Us are released. Let us know what you think about how we're doing by rating and reviewing. It really helps. Grow With Us is edited and engineered by Rant9 Productions and Jesse Ulrich. This has been Grow With Us.